Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only show from RNZ Sport. I'm Joe Porter. This week, Sonny Bill Williams is heading to the Blues after signing on with New Zealand Rugby for a crack at another World Cup. Can he help restore Auckland Rugby to its former glory? One of Williams' former All Blacks teammates says more needs to be done to combat homophobia in the game. The first All Blacks squad of the year spend their first week together as they prepare for the upcoming Test Series against Wales. New Zealand's Stephen Adams and the Oklahoma City Thunders push for the NBA Finals comes up agonisingly short. And BMX star Sarah Walker has no intention of laying down the bike, despite having her Olympic dreams dashed. Lucrative offers from European clubs haven't been enough to lure Sonny Bill Williams away from the All Blacks and a tilt at a third Rugby World Cup title. Williams has re-signed for a further three years with New Zealand Rugby, spurning offers to move to France and return to Australian Rugby League. The deal will keep him in New Zealand until after the 2019 World Cup and also see him move Super Rugby franchises from the Chiefs to the Blues. Matt Chatterton reports. Uh, thanks uh, for coming in, everyone. Good morning. Um, it is with uh, considerable uh, pleasure that we gather you here today to confirm uh, that Sonny has made a, a further three-year commitment to New Zealand rugby. I think it's a really important... Day. Today's announcement is a big win for New Zealand rugby. Before now, Sonny Bill Williams' future beyond the Rio Olympics was uncertain. Given player retention has been an issue for NZR over the past few years, Chief Executive Steve Chu says keeping Williams in New Zealand is a clear sign its new policies are working. We have an athlete beside us committing to us for a, a further three years, another World Cup cycle. I don't have to speak about his pedigree. I think you all know just what this young man has achieved already and we now look forward to him achieving even greater things in the All Black jersey which he holds so special to him. One of the draw cards for Williams was getting to play under, in his own words, the best rugby coach in the world, Steve Hansen. The 30-year-old says when Hansen called him and told him he wanted him to be part of the All Blacks leadership group, it was an offer he couldn't pass up. But Williams says choosing to leave the Chiefs for the Blues was a far more difficult choice. It was really hard decision to turn my back on them, especially you know with the opportunity to play up side Aaron Cruden and play alongside guys like Sammy Kane and that. It wasn't an easy decision but you know I've got a young family. I've got a little daughter and you know my, my wife doesn't have any family here. I've got a lot, most of my family is in Auckland and obviously I'm um, an Auckland kid. It's pretty much home to me as well so that weighed a lot on my decision. Another reason for the decision was getting to work under Blues coach Tana Umanga. He was Williams' first professional rugby coach at Toulon, and then again when Williams played for Counties Monaco in the New Zealand Rugby Championship. The Blues currently only have four All Blacks in their squad, and Umanga says adding Williams to their 2017 lineup boosts their chances of Super Rugby success significantly. It's huge for the club to have a, uh, a player of this calibre commit to us, and he thrives in challenges. As he said before a couple of times, uh, he loves winning, and that's what we want. Uh, we want to be winning as well. Under Williams' contract with New Zealand Rugby, he'll be able to play for the New Zealand Sevens team, which he says has rejuvenated him and his love for the sport. 
and compete in boxing during rugby's off-season. So will Sonny Bill be able to breathe life back into the Blues and Auckland rugby? It's been a miserable decade for the Blues, who last won a Super Rugby Championship in 2003. Morning Report's Patrick O'Mara spoke with former Auckland and All Blacks coach John Hart, who says two-time World Cup winner Williams should have a major impact on the Blues' fortunes. Oh, look, it takes more than one person to uh, create that uh, winning team that you're talking about, but this will be a huge, huge bonus for the Blues. Um, he is uh, a class act as a player. They do not have that sort of experience or the game-breaking game uh, that he brings. Um, and I think now the fact that uh, the other probably very positive signal for the Blues is they haven't been able to attract any leading players for some time. Uh, now the signing of Sonny Bill Williams and the earlier signing of the young halfback Augustine uh, Papulu. Um, you know, I think these are very good moves to the Blues and gives them, um, you know, a better shot at developing what they need long term to be a force in the Super 15, Super Rugby. How crucial was it that Tana Umanga was coach in his decision, do you think? Oh, I think that's pretty important. Um, obviously, he and Tana go back some time. Uh, in France, um, and um, you know, I think that has been important. Probably family uh, is the other factor, um, but I think uh, you know, it's, it, it says volumes for Tana that he's been able to attract both of these players. There seems to be obviously a wider issue with Sonny Bill Williams, given he's uh, such a high-profile personality. Is this the sort of man that rugby needs, particularly in Auckland? Oh, look, I think um, you know. People tend to um, have views on Sonny because he has, um, you know, changed codes and done his boxing. But look, he, he's a world-class athlete. And um, I think we should uh, admire the great skills that he's got. And uh, I think, uh, you know, he's probably ready now to commit to rugby. That's probably his fundamental decision. Um, and the Blues are the recipients of that. Will, will that be good for rugby in Auckland, uh, given that uh, if we looked at participation in Auckland sports uh, and sports in Auckland, uh, rugby seems to be down the list? Oh, look, uh, Sonny Bill Williams can only help with that. I um, mean, he is someone that uh, young players will aspire to be like. He's got uh, unbelievable skills, ball skills, and, uh, you know, so he can only be a positive. And, and, and you know, um, he has so many good, good, good attributes as a person that he's, um, you know, he's someone that uh, people will want to go and watch and young people will admire. For the All Blacks as well, uh, given his importance, not just to New Zealand rugby, but look, is, is also crucial that for the next three years he's going to be he's committing himself to the All Blacks too? Well, when Steve Hansen uh, talks as, um, as strongly as he did about the qualities that um, Sonny Bill Williams brings and what he might leave behind him, then that's good enough for me. Um, Steve Hansen's got a lot right in his time with the All Blacks and uh, he's worked with Sonny Bill Williams so he'd have more knowledge than anyone about his attributes and what he might bring to the All Blacks so uh, when he welcomed that um, his, his commitment to the All Blacks over the next three years and what he might achieve uh, that for me told me that uh, Sonny Bill Williams is going to be very good for the All Blacks The former Auckland and All Blacks coach John Hart speaking to Morning Report's Patrick O'Mara 
Meanwhile, a former All Black says more work can be done in locker rooms and between teammates to make life easier for gay players. The former New Zealand hooker Kevin Mayalamu joined a chorus of athletes and industry figures this week pledging to do more to combat discrimination and homophobia in sport. Among them, New Zealand rugby, New Zealand football, New Zealand cricket, rugby league, netball and hockey New Zealand and the Olympic Committee. Mohamed Hassan reports. The country's biggest sporting groups came together this morning with a promise to stamp out discrimination on and off the field. From now until the end of the year, each will put together a framework on how to do it. The head of New Zealand Rugby, Stephen Chu, says there are a number of programs already in place. The most obvious is Applaud, which is our sideline behaviour program, which I think Ian, three years in the in the, in the system, um, and we have provided uh, a reasonable number of resources to make that work physical reminders to parents and spectators about what is appropriate behaviour on the sideline. We, we are now really working our way through what else we can do. If it requires money, then that's a decision we have to make. Mr Chu says homophobia also needs to be challenged at the high school level. The best place is in the, in the very early days of an athlete's development, so the, the education programmes will be really important. David Pocock has probably put a, a really good peg in the ground because there's a player that people respect. He's made a statement that that kind of behaviour and those attitudes are inappropriate. Pocock is an Australian player who's spoken out against gay discrimination in rugby, and in New Zealand, others are stepping forward. Former All Black hooker Kevin Mialamu says sports figures can make a real difference. Sport is such an awesome place to make change uh, because, because of the amount of people that follow and because we, we get a chance to not only do the stuff on the field, but people uh, look up to sports people. We're in a position to make that sort of change. Last year, a survey of New Zealand athletes found 88% of gay sportsmen and 76% of gay sportswomen hid their sexuality from teammates. Kevin Mialamu says they should be able to feel safe to reveal their sexuality if they want to. We are still our teammates. That doesn't change the way they are. And probably just learning how to accept. I think for us it will be something new because I haven't experienced it myself. Um, but just learning how do I make sure nothing changes, you know? How do I keep an open mind? Uh, how do you uh, not force that on others, but, but how do you encourage others to make sure they see things with an open eye? The Human Rights Commissioner and former squash champion, Dame Susan DeVoy, says today's announcement is a good start and shows the big sports organisations have realised there's a problem. I'm interested to see that's a bottom-up approach, which I think is really going to happen. So, you know, it's, uh, it can't be driven by government. Bigotry runs, uh, runs high if it's not addressed at the very early stages of someone's formative years. Um, you know, first coaches, um, people on the sidelines, all that sort of thing happens. And uh, I just think it's great that people are taking the initiative to actually address it. Um, and people need to stand up and be counted and, and you know, not be bystanders. Jeremy Branken the captain of gay and inclusive rugby team, the New Zealand Falcons, says he hopes today's move leads to real change soon. He says it's great people like Kevin Mialamu have lent their voice to the campaign, but he hopes current All Blacks will jump on board as well. For Checkpoint, Mohammed Hassan. The first All Blacks squad in the post-Dan Carter and Richie McCaw era was announced last Sunday with new players, a couple of recalls and a surprise or two among the 32 named for this month's series against Wales. It's the first squad since the World Cup when several stars, including McCaw and Carter, retired from Test Rugby. The squad have spent their first week together as they prepare for the first match of the three-test series against Wales in Auckland next weekend. Coach Steve Hansen has named six uncapped players, the Hurricanes, Adi Saver, the Chiefs, Seta Tamani Valu and Damian McKenzie, the Blues, Offa Tungafasi and Highlanders, Elliot Dixon and Liam Squire. 
While Squire is the apparent bolter, Hansen has been watching the Tasman tough man for quite some time. He's an athlete, first and foremost. Like he's got real uh, ability to hurt you, both with the ball and without you. So that's impressed me a heck of a lot this year. He's, he's really brought that physicality into his defensive game, and his running is you know, world class. Squire's teammate Dixon has also been rewarded, with the Highlanders' recent success being recognised by Hansen. Elliot's a guy who's um, been part of a forward pack that's really growing and, and uh, under Jamie and, and, and you know, to the point where they won the competition last year, a hard-working group, and uh, Elliot's been really consistent, one of the leaders in that forward pack. And after being given the good news, Dixon celebrated with some deep south delicacies. Just eat them raw, man. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan of oysters. I've, I actually got a, um, a couple of books for me from um, my partner's parents yesterday, so I'll chew through a couple of dozen. Savia has always been described by Hansen as an all-black in waiting, and if he gets on the field with brother Julian, they'll become just the tenth set of siblings to play alongside each other for New Zealand. It's quite a unique thing, you know, it doesn't come around often, so um, yeah, it's good to be here with him, you know, I'm sick and tired of seeing his face, yeah, <laughs> but um, it's bloody awesome. The three new Lucys have kept the Crusaders' Matt Todd out of the squad, while halfback TJ Pedernada has missed out to Taweta Kubalo as backup to Aaron Smith. The Crusaders' Israel Dagg is back after being overlooked for the World Cup, with his super rugby form and an injury to Nehe Milner Scudder paving the way for his recall. He says he thought he wouldn't add to his 49 tests. If they go, oh, well, well, their 49 opportunities are, you know, not a bad, not a bad run. It's probably time, but yeah, after a month, I got over it. And then my wife says I'm getting old. I feel like I'm young. And I feel I've got a lot to add to this uh, this jersey. Fullback Damien McKenzie's induction into the All Blacks environment comes as no surprise, though with Dag, Ben Smith, Julian Savia and Waisaki Naholo in the outside backs, it's unlikely the Chiefs' dynamo will get much game time. The All Blacks coaches now face a unique task. They must rebuild the leadership core of the side, blood new players and advance the game, all while being expected to win every test. Hansen says that weight of expectation may have been too heavy for some previous All Blacks teams to bear, but the current crop relish it. That's one of the things we've actually mastered, I think, uh, in the past. Maybe it's been a burden for some teams, but it's, it's the one thing we know is constant, and we wouldn't want that to change because we, we know that it's one of the things that's driven this team to be as successful as it has been. And you're listening to Extra Time, a web-only show from RNZ Sport. New Zealand basketballer Stephen Adams and the Oklahoma City Thunder's season is over after they fell just short of reaching the NBA Finals. The Thunder led the defending champion Golden State Warriors three games to one in the best of seven Western Conference Finals before the Warriors fought back to level the series. Golden State then proved too tough at home as the Thunder went down 96-88 in the series decider in Oakland. It's been a remarkable season for Adams, whose place on the team was questioned at the start of the year following the signing of fellow centre Enos Cantor. However, Adams has not only kept his place but nailed down a starting role as he became a vital cog in the Thunder's game plan. His toughness on the court and disarming colloquial Kiwi charm off it have won over a legion of fans and sports reporters in the United States, and his star is set to shine bright for some time yet. Reaching the Western Conference Finals was a considerable result for the Thunder and Adams, who's just finished his third year in the league, and the New Zealander says it's the team's chemistry off the court that helped lift them to within a win of the NBA Finals. It was great on the court, but more so off the court is what, uh, what really stuck out for me, is uh, our relationships in the locker room grew um, just because we were faced with a lot of challenges um, that we had to overcome, and so, yeah, that just brought us closer together. That's really how we got as far as we did. 
In the playoffs, Adams' production levels increased further, at times even overshadowing the Thunder's two superstars, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. The seven-foot centre's status has grown to the point where he's now one of the highest-regarded big men in the league, though he says his playoff performance was simply down to the Warriors spending extra energy defending Durant and Westbrook. Obviously in playoffs they take away the main ingredients, so they took out Russ and KD, which actually it, it kind of forced us to actually um, put different players in positions to make plays to collapse the defence to free up our free up the main stars, right? So like KD and Russ to free them up more. And that's that's all it came down to. And then I guess intensity wise, that just came with playoffs, playoff intensity and stuff like that. Adams says he's pleased at the high level of media coverage in New Zealand and says one of his ambitions is to grow the game back here and show Kiwi kids how basketball can provide a pathway to a free education and a potential career. Basketball is now becoming a um, really popular sport in New Zealand, which is great, which is really good because then obviously a lot of things come out of it, um, get scholarships and stuff like that, easy head start in life, so that's, that's why I'm, what I'm pushing, so that's the only thing I care about. It's good to see that progress. The Thunder have exercised their fourth-year contract option, meaning at the end of next season Adams will become a free agent, with reports suggesting Oklahoma want to lock him into a four-year deal worth about $15 million US dollars a year. Right now, though, he has some time off and says he'll be back in New Zealand at some point during the off-season. Adams says while he's keen to go and watch sister Valerie, New Zealand's double Olympic shot-put champion, try and defend her crown at August's Rio Olympics, he hasn't decided if he will just yet. In typical Adams style, he told reporters that the Zika virus could quash those plans, saying they have that weird disease down there, I need to do some research before I go. The London Olympic BMX silver medalist Sarah Walker says she's still getting better, so has no intention of quitting the sport despite failing to qualify for the Rio Olympics. The 27-year-old Walker failed to reach the final of her event at the World Champs in Colombia after suffering a shoulder injury in training. By not reaching the final, she missed the chance to gain one of the last two qualifying spots for Rio, which she admits is devastating after such a wretched run with injuries over the past couple of years. I actually rolled pretty well and um, stood up almost immediately from a, from the crash and kind of looked down at myself and looked at each limb and kind of thought I was all intact and <laughs> kind of dust myself off and jumped straight back on my bike and rode around uh, to Ryan, my coach, and kind of said my bars were crooked and, and thought about going back up the hill, but um, yeah, I realised my shoulder was a little bit sore, so I just went and tried to do a few things, and it wasn't wasn't very comfortable, so decided to finish up practice and, and try and get it sorted for the time trial, and yeah, it kind of started getting a little bit more sore as time went on, and so I just uh, rolled time trial in preparation to kind of do as much physio and as much rehab as I could to get it right for race day. There's definitely been multiple times where I've had a few tears and it's pretty heartbreaking. I mean, I, I really wanted to go and I definitely gave it everything and I'm I'm proud of myself for that. Um, but I do BMX for more than just the Olympics. I do it because I love it and I do it because it's fun and it's enjoyable and sometimes I get hurt but it's totally worth every single kind of step back and every step of that journey has been totally amazing and I wouldn't change it for you. This is definitely a, a, another bump in the road or a, another chapter to the book um, <laughs> but man it's definitely been a crazy journey and it's it's pretty crazy. The last four years has been such a, a roller coaster ride, and 
to get so close and and finish here is is kind of yeah it's a, a bit devastating but at the same time I know that uh yeah I gave it absolutely 100% and so I have no regrets at all on the journey that I've had and and it's just sport Despite the latest setback and having had to recover from 15 broken bones in the last few years, Walker says she has no thoughts of retiring. No, definitely not the end. <laughs> I um, I still love the sport for sure and um, I know that in this build-up and over the last six months I have been the strongest and the fastest and the most like I've never been as good as what I've been over the last six months and I've had setbacks that I know that I'm still getting stronger and I'm still getting faster and I still love it so it would be silly to quit now. Sarah Walker and that's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via our RNZ Sport Twitter or Facebook accounts and email sport at radionz.co.nz We'll be back with the next Extra Time show next week until then I'm Joe Porter bye for now. 